Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. You know, we think about a wonderful life, we think about our life, and it's good to reflect on your life. Uh, I do that very often when I travel. When I travel is when I, uh, I'm going to be on a plane or in a vehicle, whatever. I'll really take time to reflect on my life and to think through everything. And I remember a couple years back, I really thought through what were the major decisions that really shaped my life, shaped the direction of my life. And I boiled it down to four major decisions. Uh, the first major decision that really shaped my life, believe it or not, was me joining the United States military and, and going into the Marine Corps. That's something that had a profound impact uh, on me. And you got to understand this too. It was something that I, I really had a, a, a huge desire to do in my heart ever since I was a little wee thing. I mean, my mom can vouch for this. I've always just wanted to be a Marine and to be in the Marine Corps. And so that decision to go do that was just a big deal. Uh, and then the next decision, of course, was me getting saved. How many know getting saved will change your life? Amen. And so getting saved, giving my life to Christ really changed who I am. The third decision that really shaped my life was meeting you, Cindy. That was a great decision. That was a great decision. Marrying you was, it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> and so marrying her, again, just completely altered my life. And I'm so grateful for that. And then uh, the fourth decision is when we yielded and said, God, you know, our life's not ours. Whatever you want us to do, we're going to do that. That led me to even quitting my job and just stepping out in faith and, and doing what I'm doing today. And so those four big decisions were huge. But I, I want to I say this. In, in my life of being, you know, making those decisions, you got to remember what I said. There was, there was something that was in my heart that was, that was always there that never left was that being uh, a warrior. Actually, the name warrior uh, you know, means Mark. Mark means warrior. Uh, that's the meaning of the name. My mom named me Mark, which means warrior. And so that, it's like God made me to be that warrior. And so going into military fulfilled that. But then when, I, when, I, when I've kind of looked back at not continuing that, because after four years I'd gotten out and I started saying, man, I wish someone would have talked to me and I wouldn't have got out and I could have stayed in, especially as I connected with my buddies that were in and stayed in, I really started finding myself, finding some regret on the inside and some, some grieving about making that decision. And then, because when I got out, I didn't plan to just get out. I planned to get out and still serve, but in a different way. And so the U.S. Marshals were actually recruiting me out of uh, the Marine Corps about going with their special operations group. And, and it didn't work out. I went to go take the test. And just to be candid with you, I didn't pass the test. 
I took the test to pass the test. I didn't pass the test. I probably could have went and took it again, but I was so discouraged. I just never went and took it again uh, because the whole test was on spelling and I can't spell a lick. Ain't that the truth? I don't know why it was on that, but the whole <laughs> test was on spelling. And Bless so I was like, wow, crazy. So the whole test was on that and names. And that's my two weaknesses. And I was like, oh my God. So I didn't pass it. So then I was like, well, I'll go with the Baton Rouge uh, Police Department with the SWAT team and all that. And so, man, I, I went up there and I actually passed that test. But then they, t- they gave us, we were moving forward and they gave us more tests. And guess what really stood out to them? I could not spell. And, uh, and they were talking to me. Anyway, so that fell through. And I'm like, golly. And so then I decided, I said, well, I'll, the, the sheriff's department, I'll be a part of the sheriff's department or local sheriff's department. And at the time, Jeff Wally was the sheriff and Bobby Weber, who's our sheriff now, was the warden. And I remember I sent in a picture, Cindy, and you were like, you're like, uh, I couldn't show it to you on the screen. She said, don't show people that. And so I sent in a picture of myself with a cowboy hat, and a, and a t-shirt and a knife on my side. And I, I kind of had my hands open and I, was, and I wrote a note, handwritten note saying, hey, I like to work for you guys and I can be, you know, undercover for y'all. And just, you know, I figured the picture would let them see. I had long hair and everything. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, so I send that in and it so intrigued them. They called me to come in. No, no, no. I think they were like, uh, we need to get close to this guy. He might be kind of dangerous. Uh, we need to get to know this person. So that's Probably funny because the sheriff introduced me to the warden. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I started training with them. And that was Bobby. And so I started training, Sheriff Bobby, whatever. So I started training with them. And it was funny. Uh, I was doing some things with them and uh, just talking about possibly, you know, helping them out and so forth. And so after I trained with them a little bit, uh, they, later they told me this because we're friends. They said, yeah, we kind of, we were like, mm, I don't know. We're supposed to protect the town, not destroy the town. <laughs> we're not here to, you know, storm the beaches. We're to, you know, so I didn't, that didn't work out for me. And so none of that worked out for me. You got to understand something. That was something like deep down in my heart. So I had regret about why, why didn't that work? I'm a warrior. Why didn't that work out? And, and really it was the Lord and the Lord spoke to me and he said, because that was not what I had for you, that I order your steps and that's just not what I had for you. I had something different for you. And I was like, well, why am I feeling the regret and where is that coming from? He said, because when you truly die to your life, you are going to grieve the death of your life. Yeah. And that's okay yeah. as long as you accept the life that I am giving you. Yeah. And then he revealed to me, if, if he would have not done that, guess what? My other three best decisions that shaped my life probably wouldn't have happened. I probably wouldn't have got saved. Or maybe I would have, but I wouldn't have met you. And we wouldn't have all these kids. And I probably wouldn't be in full-time ministry. And so what I'm saying is, I realized that, wait a minute, it's kind of like that movie, The Wonderful Life. How many of you saw Wonderful Life, the movie? And so this guy, you know, he, he had plans of what he figured he wanted to do in his life, and it didn't work out because of circumstance. And he finally got to a place in his life where he didn't want to live anymore because his plans never worked out. And the angel came to him and showed him if he never lived, all the people who would be affected in a negative way because he never lived. And how much his life meant and how, how much God had directed his life. 
And so I was like, wow. And so, you know, it just really helps because here's, here's the thing, guys. Uh, to really live for Christ is, is to really give up the life that you thought you were going to live. Hmm. That's good. Sydney? And, you know, I agree. Like, for me, it's kind of the same. Some of the major decisions that have changed and, and shaped my life, you know, one, accepting Jesus, of course, and, of course, marrying you, my amazing husband, you know. Um, but I think the next biggest thing had to do with me having children. And many of you know that I was a single mom, and Sarah was nine months old when we got married. And so, you know, when I got pregnant with Levi, like I didn't recognize it for, it took a few years for me to recognize this. But when I got pregnant with Levi, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, if something happens to him, I can still take care of two kids. So we're good. And then when I got pregnant with Sarai, number three, in the back of my mind, I thought, I could handle raising three kids, you know. Um, even with Josiah, I thought, okay, I, I could, I'm pretty bright. I can ha- you may be thinking she's bright. Do you know how you get, have those mean kids, you know? Um, but even then, you know, I thought if something happened to Mark, I could handle it. I could take care of four kids. I'll be good. Um, but something happened when I had Hannah, that number five. Like I knew that was beyond my ability, Like, that was past my capacity, and on the inside, and I never said it out loud because I wanted wanted her. You know, I wanted the baby. It had nothing to do with having her. It all had to do with my inability to give God control of that area. And so I never spoke it to anyone, didn't talk about it. I didn't even say it to the Lord because, honestly, I was ashamed. Like, I really felt shame that I was feeling this, you know? And so I remember walking into church, and one of my friends, again, I never said it, never spoke it, never shared it, didn't tell him nothing. I walk in, and she looked at me, and the Holy Spirit spoke through her, Cindy, only God gives life. And she didn't say another word. And right then, start the conversation between me and the Lord of what I was really dealing with. And I went home, and just God started to ask me, do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'm going to take care of you? Will you relinquish control of this area of your life? And it, uh, to be honest, it was hard. It was hard to let go, to know that, you know, it was, I trusted him in a lot of other ways, but I was like, oh, God, you know, because of what I experienced in the past. And so anyway, that day I let go. I said, God, I trust you. And I'm thankful that I did. You know, I decided, I said, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to order my steps, even in this area of my life, in this sphere of my life. And I want to encourage you, some of you right now might be getting nervous. Can I just tell you this? Probably he's not going to tell you to have eight kids, okay? (laughs) Brother Larry, he's not going to ask you to have eight kids. It's okay. (laughs) But really, I mean, that can be really when the Lord starts probing The closer you get to him, the more he's going to ask, hey, do you trust me with this? Do you trust me with this? Mm. And it's really, you know, I find myself, it's a scary place. Yeah. And still to this day, probably with my kids, it's the scariest place when God says, are you going to trust me with this? You know, but can I encourage you? His ways are better than ours. Yeah. 
He yeah. knows more than we know. And so he's worthy of that trust. Amen? Amen. So today, the message, we're going to talk about ordered steps. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with Proverbs fourteen twelve. It says, there is a way which seems right to a person. So let me stop right there. Just because something seems right to you or me does not mean it's right. Come on. It's right. Who's been a teenager before? Raise your hand. Okay. Who's a teenager right now? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm about to give you some revelation. Okay. When I was a teenager, my mama knew nothing. My mom and dad, they didn't know anything. I'm like, y'all just don't even know. Okay. But boy, when I got into my 20s, I was like, I am ignorant. What do you know, mother? Tell me what you know. You know everything. Because as a teen, my way seemed right. Everything seemed right. And I find that can be us in this life. Okay, so be careful with that. Just because it seems right or feels right does not mean it's right. And so we pick back up. There is a way which seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. And so we really need to be careful with regret. You know, like you said, you had that regret. We've got to be careful with um, staying there because sometimes we can fall into second-guessing God's sovereignty or questioning his sovereignty in our life or even sometimes cheapening his sovereignty in our life. You think about it, that's what Israel did. When they were called for years, for generations, they prayed for deliverance from Egypt. The deliverance came, and what happened? The mode of deliverance, the vehicle of deliverance was not easy in the beginning. I mean, they had all kinds of nice things in Egypt, and then they went up in the wilderness. Come on, it's like camping on, like, you know, steroids. You know, they go there, and it was difficult, and they couldn't see where God was leading them. And in the moment, they begin to doubt his sovereignty. They begin to question it. They begin to longing for the the bondage that they had before. So we've got to be very careful when it comes to our lives and and evaluating and make sure we keep it in check with what God has for our life. Another scripture I want to show you is Proverbs 16, verse 1 through 3. And so it says this, the plans of the heart belong to a person. The plans of the heart belong to a person, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Wow. And so, yes, God puts things in our heart that, and it's good to know what's in your heart and to search your heart and to find out what those things are, but it doesn't mean that you're going to do them. Yeah. Or it doesn't mean that you will always do them, hence the military and where I was at. Uh, or it, it might mean the timing is going to be different. And so, because just because it's in your heart, it doesn't mean that we should do it. As a matter of fact, if you follow your heart, you will not follow God. Hence, following your heart is following yourself. And we are called not to follow ourselves. We are called to follow Jesus. Amen. Am I right? And so that's why he says, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So wherever it's in the heart, you got to give that to the Lord. And look, even the scripture that says the Lord will give you the desire of your heart, if you commit yourself to him, and if you're Mm -hmm. faithful with him, he said he'll give you the desire of your heart. But even in the desire of your heart, he may give you that just for a season. 
and then move on. Or he may change those desires yes. in your yeah. heart. Yeah. And so, but he goes on and says, all the ways of a person are clean in his own sight, but the Lord examines the motives. The Lord examines the motives. And it says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So know what's in your heart, but then you bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, what is your answer here? And when the Lord answers that, then you commit that to him, realizing that his plan is better than your plan. Mm -hmm. Another scripture, Proverbs 16, 9. It says, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So here you have, you know, the heart where, okay, because I know what I like and what I want, then, okay, if I don't give that to God and get an answer, then what I'm going to do is then I'm going to start planning it in my mind and maneuvering. And then what I'm going to end up doing, I'm going to walk in doors that I probably should have never walked in. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when we talk about you know, God, we, we like to talk about God, how he opens doors. And we always pray that over people, you know, open door, open door, open door. But we also have to realize that God doesn't just open doors, but God also closes doors. As a matter of fact, in the scripture where that is uh, uh, brought to us, it says that he's the God that opens doors that no man can open and closes doors that no man can close. And we see that with even Paul, the apostle Paul, when he was trying to go to this one town, he said that the Holy Spirit prevented him, hindered him, stopped him, closed that door. And then he, the Holy Spirit told him, gave through a vision, told him to go to Macedonia. Because it was, it's God's plan, not our plan. See, what's in our mind, even with someone like the Apostle Paul, is not always what's in the mind of Christ. Yeah. And so we have to, we have to understand that. And we have to understand that there are physical doors and there are spiritual doors. And so we can't just recognize the physical door. We also have to recognize the spiritual door. Because there might be a natural door open, but if we're in the spirit, we look and see that the spiritual door is closed to that natural door. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. Look, just the enemy can open natural doors as well. And just because, you know, in the, the men's bathroom, the door's open, it's wide open, it doesn't mean women supposed to go in it or vice versa. You know, if uh, the women's bathroom is open, but it doesn't mean men supposed to go in it. And by the way, I mean that culturally as well. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, y'all can give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Yes. And so, so, but the point is what I'm making is you've got to be able to recognize spiritual doors to walk in and not walk in. You can't just go, well, what happens is what happens. Live that way and the enemy is surely going to set you up. As a matter of fact, a trap is an open, oh, wow. I didn't think about this first service, but I, I feel to say it this service. It was funny because when I started praying, talking about one of my best decisions right here, when I started praying for this thing right here, this thing. <laughs> when I okay. started praying, I didn't know what this thing was or what her name was, but I started praying for her. And I remember I said, God, I'm lonely and I, and, and I really would like to have a wife if, you, if, if it's your will and your timing. And I started praying. And what was crazy is 
The next three women that came to me, matter of fact, after I prayed, the next day, a girl that I was really uh, wanting to get a date with left a note on my truck that she felt that we were supposed to get together. So I could have put that together and went, oh, I prayed, and then this happened? That must be God. Guys, what happened to Israel? They came and they had the old food and they said, and they said, well, yeah, let's keep them. And God said, you never did come to me with that. Hmm. And so I didn't just bite because I didn't want to be trapped in that kind of trap from the enemy. So I, I said, Lord, is this of you, Lord? And the Lord spoke to me clear as day and said, no. And that was it. Cut it off completely. The next girl, the Lord said, no. The next girl, the Lord said, no. And she was married. The second one. Yeah. The second one. Yeah. That was easy. He didn't that have to say easy. no. He didn't, he didn't have, have to say, say no. no. The scripture said no. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen. That's important. Even when Christians, watch That's this. Important, Even when Christians were telling me yes. Yeah. The Lord, yeah. his scripture said no. Yeah. You don't follow what someone tells you. You follow what the word tells you. Yeah. And if, if what someone tells you is opposite of the word, it ain't God. Yeah, amen. So I, I just want you to realize, guys, that about these doors and about it's not just, you know, because you'll get thrown all over the place if you live that way. Yeah. You, got to, you got to be able to hear the Lord. And so it's not just about in the heart or in your mind. It's about the answering, him answering, and it's about he's going to order your steps. He is going to do that. And that's uh, I, I, want, I want to say this. A lot of times what happens is in life, let's say with a job, we were always taught our whole life, work hard and push hard so you can get ahead. Aren't we told that? So we're to work hard so we can get ahead. That's what we're all told, right? But so the Lord, I was meditating this morning and he said, and I was like, oh my goodness. It's such a trap. It's such a snare of self-centeredness that we end up in. Because he said, when someone does that, they're doing, they're working as unto themselves. Because we should work hard as unto the Lord. Yeah. And not worry about getting ahead. Because we know that we serve a God that orders our steps. Yeah. Because if we just work hard pushing for to get ahead, then we're just working for ourselves, and we're fooling ourselves and putting the name of God on it. We need to work hard as to the Lord, not worrying about where God, where that lands us. And you know what? God, he will promote because you can work hard for yourself and be promoted yourself. And guess what? That's, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. And so, yeah. Sydney? Yeah. So the next uh, scripture I want to share is Psalms 37, verse 23 through 24. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And this is really comforting because, listen, it says godly, not ungodly. Okay? And so he directs our steps. And that's where you find in Hebrews, Hebrews he says that uh, he corrects his children. And so this is actually a promise that God is going to direct our steps. And it's very comforting for me because I'm the type of person like, you know, I can always see like 40 ways to do a certain thing. 
And so I'm like, oh, God, which way to do it or what, you know? And so I've had to learn as a believer, as a, a daughter to, to still myself, to quiet myself and seek that confirmation from him, knowing that he's going to confirm. He's going to speak because he wants to order my steps. So I'm just like, God, I want to obey you. I want to do what you want me to do, so I need you to show me. And so here right here, it shows us that he does. But also it says he delights in every detail of their lives. I love this. You know, I think about when we flooded our home, we lost everything. We were homeless, had six kids, and we did not have the provision to rebuild. But we saw God miraculously provide for us um, to be able to live in the home that we live in today. And it was amazing, and I love that. But you know that when he pays attention to the very small details, that seems to blow my mind even more. Like, there were a few days ago I was discouraged, and I didn't share it with anyone. I shared it with the Lord. I said, Lord, this is where I am. And that day, he sent a sister in Christ to me randomly, and she gave me a word of encouragement. And tears came in my eyes because to me, that is evidence of how close my father is to me, that he cares even about that little small detail in my heart to meet that need. Also in verse 24, it goes on, it says, though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. How beautiful is that? You know, I want to encourage you. Don't get trapped in regret if you've stepped outside of God's steps for your life. Don't get trapped in regret. You know, there's a difference between conviction and shame. Conviction brings you back on the right course. Okay, when you do something or say something that you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit will convict you to get you back in the right steps. It's kind of like the Apple Maps. You know, you miss the turn. It's like, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. You know what I'm saying? That's what the Lord does. So conviction gets you oh, back on track. That's good. Okay, shame, shame is from the enemy. So when you're carrying shame, when you've repented, you've gotten up. The scripture says, though they stumble, they will not fall. When you've repented, you've turned back around, you've gotten up, you've been forgiven. The enemy tries to throw shame to keep you back out of the steps of God. Okay, so that's different. And we see that, we know that with King David. I mean, King David messed up really badly go read his story, but it didn't stop the steps and the path that God had intended for his life. The same is for you. You know, it's so it's proven. You're walking forward. If you keep looking back, you cannot walk a straight line. At some point, you got to start looking forward. And I just want to say this last thing, you know, I've had to live with some regret of things I did before I accepted Christ. And I had to settle with that and learn, you know, hey, what do I do with this? God, I can't change this. <laughs> I really made a mess of my life. What, what can I do? And I've had to learn how to just put that under the blood. Romans 8, 28 says that God can take all those things, you know, to the godly. Those that love him can take all those things and turn them around and make something good out of it. I've seen it in my life, the things, the mess that have made God's turn things around. He can do the same for you. Amen. Amen. Give her a hand clap. That was good stuff. Amen. That was good. So 
we're going to give you just two things, two things about uh, this wonderful life journey that's going to really help you guys with what the Lord's showing us. Uh, the first one is accept our lot. Say lot. Lots. All right, now I want you to pay attention to that key word as I'm reading this next scripture. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20, it says, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept, here's the key word, to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God. Everyone say amen. Amen. And the, the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept, key word, your lot in life. This indeed is a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Very powerful. One of the healings, by the way, one of the ways to be healed of your past is to accept your present life that God has given to you. And the reason most people are walking around depressed and dissatisfied and discontented with their circumstance, maybe even their marriage, maybe even their, their job, we're so dis discontent with the car I got, with the house I got, with the pay I'm making. It's all about being just discontent is because we're coveting a life that we were never given. And to accept your lot is huge. That's where Paul was like, hey, I was happy when I had a little bit and I was happy when I had a lot. It really did not matter. And so when we don't accept our lot, we end up committing the 10th commandment sin, which is we're coveting what we see what other people have, especially in this day and age with Instagram and Facebook and you know, all these other things. We look and we go, oh, I need that. And I should have that. And I should be a part of that. And stay and go, wait a minute. No, no, no. I just need to accept my lot and be content with where God has me and what he's given to me and realize that if he wants me to have more, he'll give me more. And so we have to walk in that contentment. And, you know, one of the things that uh, the Lord showed me even with uh, going back to the military or the police and, and really I honor those professions. I love those professions and it's an honorable profession, both of those things. And I was like, Lord, you know, I, I really felt like I was, you know, born a warrior, born to do that. I was on a plane coming back uh, from another country and I was studying the scriptures and I was studying about Caleb. And Caleb was just such a warrior. And as I studied about it, I found myself just, just really just, I don't understand God. Why, why have you not let me stay in that vein? Why have you moved me out of that vein of, of, of protection and of, of battle? And why, I'm a warrior, you made me this way. I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be anything else because at, when I cut and I bleed, that's what I bleed. And the Lord, and the Lord showed me, he said, because that was not your lot. That was not what I had for you. I allowed you to do that, but I really used it to also train you because what I wanted for you is to be a warrior in my kingdom. And I wanted you to fight battles that had eternal significance, not fight battles that were just 
of, of earthly significance, not lessening earthly significance, but he said, I want you to go beyond that to a higher calling of a warrior. And I want you to fight for the souls of mankind. And that's why I put that in you. That's why I tell you to suit up every morning. I didn't tell you to suit up in a suit with a tie. I told you to suit up with the armor of Almighty God upon you. Because I have called you to be a warrior. Look at my scriptures. When he says a good soldier does not get tied up in the things of everyday life so he can please the one who had called him into this thing. Guys, that's the life. That's my lot. And it's accepting that and letting the other go. But can I tell you this? It's going to be hard to let the other go because that's also was what was in your heart and who you were. Were. You got to die to it so you can live to who God wants you to be and who he called you to be. And to do that, you got to be able to trust him. The second thing we should do on this wonderful life journey is to trust that God's plan is better. See, until we can accept that God's plan is better than ours, we'll struggle letting go of our life to accept his wonderful life he has planned for us. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, understanding is good, but we've got to be careful to not lean on our own understanding, but lean on the understanding that God gives us. And how do we do that? We've got to trust Him. That's where it starts. It starts with trusting Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. I, I want to say something I didn't think about last service and we didn't say. When we see fear the Lord and turn away from evil, we think of doing drugs. We think of, you know, uh, stealing, lying. We think of kind of those things, right? But we fail to then go look at James. When James said, when we say to ourselves that, hey, next year I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be making this money. I'm going to be living in this place. James, the Holy Spirit through James said, that is evil. So it goes back to, we should never plan our course. We can be real with what we're feeling and thinking, but it all has to be submitted to God. And here's the crazy thing, what you just said. Everyone, oh, I need healing, I need healing. Healing comes when you yield to that. Because it says, I will, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. As long as you hold on to the other life, you can never be healed in this life. Amen. Amen. I want everyone stand up. I want to share a story with you this morning. Several years ago, I heard this story and I thought it was uh, pretty lined up today. There was this little girl and every night her dad would put her to bed and this little girl had a little set of costume jewelry, a little set of pearls, you know, it's little fake pearls and she just loved them. She wore them everywhere. Y'all know, y'all know how little girls are. Um, so every night the dad would say, hey baby, how much do you love me? She's like, oh, I love you so, so much, daddy. And he said, well, do you love me enough to give me those pearls? She's like, no, no, daddy, these are mine. They're my pearls. So the next night he put her to bed and 
he said, hey, how much do you love me? She's like, oh, I love you so, so much, Daddy. Well, do you love me enough to give me your pearls? She's like, no, no, Daddy, these are my pearls. So he's like, okay. So night after night, he would ask her that, and he just thought it was cute. He was having fun with it. And then one final night, he said, how much do you love me, baby? And she said, I love you so, so much, Daddy. And he said, well, do you love me enough to give me those pearls? And she thought about it. She said, yeah, I love you enough, Daddy, here. And she gave him pearls. And man, he was like, so he said, well, baby, because you gave me your pearls, I'm going to give you something so much better. He reached in his pocket and gave her a pair of genuine pearls. Now, that is what God wants to do for us. When he asks for something, he's actually saying, if you give this to me, give you something so much better in return you know and that's really where I was in my story like I was holding part of myself back you know not trusting that he was going to provide for me I was holding part of and for whatever reasons that's just where I was it was my reality and the Lord's like if you just give that to me I'm going to give you something so much better you see I didn't know how much I needed Hannah I didn't know how much I needed Nathan, how much I needed Mercy, and how much I needed Asa. I needed those, but God knew how much I needed them. Not only me, He knew how much the world needed Hannah, Nathan, Mercy, and Asa. And it was just, and look, He's not going to ask everybody to do that. But He will ask you to do something because He does want all of you. I want everyone to close their eyes in here. If there is something that the Holy Spirit or the Lord has been just tapping on you about laying down and surrendering, I don't know what it is. Whether it's your, you know, your finances, your fear for your future. And the Lord's like, hey, just trust me. Whether it's your health, And the Lord's like, lay it down to me and trust me. Whether it's your marriage, you've been trying to control the narrative. And the Lord's like, hey, just just lay it down and trust me. Whether it's a child you're struggling with. And God's like, just trust me, whatever it is. I encourage you, lay it down. Lay it down, even if it's fear. Lay it down because the Lord has something better for you. Father, I pray right now for every heart in this place, every heart watching online. Lord, even for those, it's, this is difficult. God, I'm not ignoring, this is difficult. God, I pray that you give them the strength. Meet them where they are. May your loving kindness and mercy and grace meet them right where they are. Help them, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me lay down what you desire for me to lay down so I can walk on your beautiful path that you're placing before me. Father, I just pray your holy grace and mercy to be upon us, Lord, to be able to lay down our life, God, because you call everyone to do that to lay down our lives so that we can take up yours. Father, give us courage to be able to do that. And Lord, comfort us in our 
really our sorrow of when we see ourselves die. But Lord, we may weep for a moment, but joy comes the next day, Lord. So Lord, bring that joy of living in you and accepting that lot, Lord. Accepting where you have us. Let us find contentment in that, God. I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap praise, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day, amen. God bless you.